0: liberal democracies give them. And so, you know, it's something that we have to
1: struggle for very vigilantly.
0: Most of us will never have read a word written by the American political scientist Francis Fukuyama. But many will have often heard his 1992 thesis that mankind had reached the end of history with the collapse of communism, and heard that opinion being ridiculed. The Francis Fukuyama thesis about the end of history was one of the silliest ever propounded, and the fuss it caused was inexplicable. No doubt Fukuyama's arguments were a little more sophisticated than made out, but for many, the idea that liberal democracy has defeated all political rivals is now evidently just plain silly. Is there any real opposition on the ballot? Today we see liberal democracy in retreat across the world. Authoritarian states such as China, Russia and North Korea are asserting themselves. I hope no one will cross Russia's red line. But in each case, we are the ones who will decide where the red line is. And even in the West, populism, fascism and hard left politics seek to undermine representative democracy.
1: Intelligence agencies in Germany are saying right wing
0: extremism is now the greatest danger to the country's democracy, and the country even has a far right party in its parliament. So, what is authoritarianism? Why are people attracted to it, and why is it gaining ground? I went to Queen's University in Belfast to speak to Professor Lee McGowan, who specialises in politics and international relations.
1: Could you define authoritarianism? Authoritarianism is something you know. As a student, I was growing up, and you, it was almost like can, you were thinking immediately the the Hitler, the nazi Nazi regimes into play. You think about Stalin's Russia, uh, and almost seemed, and as we went through the Cold War, the end of the Cold War, that maybe all that was in the past. But really, since the well, two thousand, we're beginning to see a little more than a creep back of what an authoritarian regime would be. An authoritarian regime is normally. A system where power is really centralised, it's controlled. It's normally around one person, but it doesn't have to be. It could be a military regime, but it's normally one person, and they are there out to another characteristic of it. They're out to do is to repress any sort of opposition at all. I mean, they don't want to have any opposition. They. It sometimes could look. It look. Some of these regimes can look as if they are more pluralist than they are. There's more sort of parties in the system, but actually there aren't. There's one party that actually controls the system. So if you look, for example, at the modern-day Russian Federation, there are more than one party, it's just not Putin. But at the end of the day, President Putin controls the, 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 the entire system. Russia!
0: Russia!
1: Russia! Vladimir Putin has renewed his vice-like grip on power, seizing a fourth term as Russia's president. And what this does, it, it's, it's also for from the, from the people's perspective, we could challenge the idea, are they submitting to this new authority, this new centralised power that has a vision of where it sees the country going, about who it believes could be part of the country, and what it will do to that, it will then seek to mobilise public opinion uh, through parties. Control of the media is a really important one. And that we see repeatedly uh, in terms of China, We see it in terms of Russia and the way they are actually responding to events in Ukraine. And we're even getting testing the idea of the freedom of the media in countries that are democratic in Hungary. And again, look at these elections this week in Poland about this idea how free is the press or is the ruling party beginning to put its own sort of people within certain key key sort of areas of the press and broadcasting. Is there an attraction
0: politically, philosophically, or
1: psychologically for people to live
0: in an authoritarian situation?
1: I Two ways maybe to approach that, but maybe to take a step back and say most people who they may find themselves in under an authoritarian government where they're trying to centralise power and, 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 and suppress uh, uh, some of the, the, the basic sort of liberal sort of democratic uh, rights, they probably don't realise until it comes along uh, what they may be voting for and where it will lead. So for example, someone like Putin's Russia is, 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 is a good example. It began in the 1990s just trying to create this democratic system. There was Boris Yeltsin, but somehow Putin comes to power and begins to move it bit by bit in a new direction. He changes the constitutional several times, enhancing his own power, enhancing his ability to say for longer and longer, he's been in post now for 20-odd years. And I think what happens for those people that they, they, are in the system, it happens gradually, and the issue about how do people respond to it? It's a tricky one, because on the one hand, you how do you, if you're, you can see things happening in terms of suppression of, of, of democratic rights, but are you going to put your head above the parapet? Because you know in many ways the system is looking at you or could be looking at you, and this idea of any sort of alternative voices are not, they don't want to hear them. I mean, in terms of in Russia, we've, we've seen, Certain potential political threats, in terms of personalities, they have been killed, or the more recent example is Navalny, who's still in prison, uh, who's in in prison in in Siberia. So it's this idea: if you have any opposition at all that might garner support, you then actually try and and, and shut them down. And the one way is well, you can actually have them killed, or you put them put them in prison. And for the people, so many people find themselves in a regime that has changed. Uh, Will they resist it? There are some who always will try and resist, but it does come at a potential cost for them. Another classic example in the past was the East German state, this German democratic republic that survived for 40-odd years. It looked like a liberal democratic order. There were five different parties. When you brought it all down, there was one party, the Socialist Union Party. Party. Uh, And they essentially, it was quite clear in terms of, Voting was compulsory. You were, you were expected to vote. Uh, you really couldn't change the outcome of the votes because that party would still win. Uh, people knew, essentially, there were problems here. So we got all the people uh, informing on each other. But you knew the system and you stepped out of line of that system. The state saw you and you were punished for that in terms of it could be the job you may have wanted was suddenly taken away from you and you're given something else. So, So for those people in a regime that becomes authoritarian, many may want to protest, but they know that the the, the political costs, the personal costs for them might be more than they're actually willing to bear. There's another side to that whereby, for many people, what is it that they value in society? Do they mind if the regime comes a little bit more sort of repressive, If if they're... I think economy is the key thing here. The East German state eventually collapsed not because of the repressive order that was there. It was because, for many East Germans, they could see they could get West German television and they could see the actual difference across the border. They were waiting fifteen years for the new car to actually arrive. The cars were never that very good to begin with, so economically it couldn't deliver, and that over time then led to the the, the street demonstrations and then the collapse of that regime. But if a regime can actually deliver economically, and you're getting benefits, and your life is really good, and China is the obvious example here, then what is to what is wrong with with with, with, the, with the political system? the people who may say hey there's a lot wrong with this political system tend to be the minorities because again it could be an ethnic minority within a state or it could be from an example it could be an lgbti uh, person who feels no we are being repressed by certain things we're not are not being tolerated we're not allowed to do they will find problems with the system but by themselves not there's not enough of them to actually change that political system do you
0: distinguish between authoritarianism on the left from authoritarianism on the right? Are they
1: exactly the same thing, or can we make a distinction? I mean, yeah, they're more or less the same thing. It is the same idea in terms of, it is a one, it's a, it's a group of, tend tends to be a minority, it's either a group of people, uh, a, it could be an individual, let's say it could be the military, but again, their idea is to maintain themselves in power. In order to do that, they're going to try and, create a system that will perpetuate them in power, uh, control of the military is absolutely vital for them, that whatever they do, they must maintain, have the control of that uh, military in case they need then something to to use it to suppress any rebellions or protests that may actually uh, occur. So people could play around with, well, on the left, it's slightly different, on the right, it's slightly different, but really, it's, it's the same thing. It's about a regime, a political regime, trying to hold on to power. I just wonder, because...
0: You know, I see in social media, and I see amongst young people, and I see I see an enthusiasm for China, and China's economic achievements, uh, and China's real ways, and and an admiration perhaps for China's order in politics. It's not personality led, or so we're led to believe. And as as, as one person I saw writing literally uh, recently, they were actually writing him at Belarus, and he said, "Well, what they won't tell you in the West is it works." Look around us, it works. I mean, so I, I can't help thinking that many people, particularly in the hard right and hard left, look around the globe
1: and they have a great a, a, a admiration for, for, for authoritarianism. You can go on the left hand side, so you could go to the left hand side of politics, you could go to uh, the situation in Venezuela, for example, which was a left wing populist, without add that word, populism, authoritarian sort of values was brought into brought into play. But at the same time, you can go to the right. Uh, you can also get in terms of if we look at the situation, for example, in in Myanmar. In terms of you, know, here we have got the military in regime, a military regime actually in power. And again, quite often, what what we've seen really since two thousand, it's it, it's the reemergence of authoritarian regimes that some of them ever went away. But also, this sort of populist rhetoric has also. It was always there, but it's factored in in in, in, in a more sort of forceful, dynamic way for, for many of these populist, authoritarian type leaders. It's about the nation who is the nation, the nostalgia of the nation, but it's also about who our enemies actually are, and those enemies can either be external. We see this in terms we look at Putin in terms of how his media, because they control of, of, of most of Russian media, how they betray his special operation in, um, in in Ukraine to the to, to the Russian public. So that's I, I, actually um, very much there. But it's not only in terms of external people; it's also internal minorities, particularly ethnic minorities. Uh, And you see that in play again. China is another another example where it's doing fantastically well. It's been booming since the early 1990s in terms of annual growth rates. The infrastructure in many parts of sort of uh, the eastern side of of China is absolutely uh, top class. When you begin a bit further afield and so you see that uh, the, 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 the gleam and the glitter begins to disappear as you can move it more inland. But for many people, actually, the, the system is delivering. It's delivering those benefits, economic benefits, and the government is looks to be working. There are protests. But again, Chinese communist leader has now again extended his time in power. That was never supposed to happen under the recent Chinese constitution, but he deems that he is the person, the same that so many other people do, but they're the only ones that can carry the regime actually forward.
0: When he strode onto this stage 10 years ago, signalling he'd become China's new leader, he was a relative unknown. But now it's clear that he's reshaped the Communist Party, the military and the government, so that he's at the top of it all.
1: That builds up, because one of the things about all about these authoritarian regimes and authoritarian leaders is they are a little bit... They're always very wary. A bit of paranoia creeps in about who might be after their job, because how long can they... In fact, the longer they hold on, so Putin's been there for 20-odd years. An even better example, if you look at Belarus, the president there has been, been in power for 30 years. And this is a whole generation, generation half, two generations, that can never get the top post in politics because this, because certain individuals are holding on. And someone like Putin, again, closes himself away, and... Um, essentially because he is alarmed of other people that actually may actually challenge him for, for the top position. And the problem with all of that is the problem for the authoritarian regimes, why liberal dem- democracies, I think, are way at in, in, in front in terms of the leadership and just the leadership, is the fact that I think the longer people are in power, the more they begin to lose reality about what life is like. They may have been very well equipped when they entered into office, but they begin to lose a sense, particularly when that paranoia creeps in about who might be after their job, and then because what will happen then is and we've seen this time and time again is their closest affiliate will only tell them what they want to hear. So the whole idea of a you know oh it could be this oh, but it could be that that goes out the window completely, and they become fixated as Putin has in terms of his vision of what Russia is or with Ukraine, his you know, his, his essay on all of that. They lose a sense of reality,
0: and yet, and yet, throughout the world,
1: this democratic idea is in retreat everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it, well, the promises change, and I think part of it is, I think it's linked to the sort of whole rise of of, of, of populism. At my age, I'm nearly sixty, and we we take it for granted in terms of these liberal democracy was the way forward, you know, particularly after. The, after 1945, this was the way the world was going and the end of the all-becoming democracies. But you're viewing it now for 2023. And you're thinking, well, it hasn't quite moved that way. And even some of those established liberal democracies, you know, we could talk about, uh, do we just take all this for granted? Are our, our, our elections in terms of its turnout dropping? In terms of it is in, in, in instances, certainly at local elections, very low. But there's also something else that's been added to this whole debate over the last Probably around about 2010, 2011, 2012, the arrival of social media, the way in which individuals can now reach whole audiences that the mainstream media may never have truly uh, been able uh, to capture, who can begin to spread, but really sort of simple solutions to really complicated problems like. Dealing with immigration, is there an easy solution? Well, listening to some There might be you build a wall, you build fences, but it's not that straightforward. But for a section, for for many people, I think they're after simple solutions when there are no simple solutions there. And unfortunately, people have come along, or fortunately, depending on people's political views, people have come along who've been able to mobilize in the liberal democracies. Some of the resentment that's out there, some of the anger, some of the, what are... Given as easy solutions to really problematic uh, problems, and along the way we've also seen it in the liberal democracies where there's less tolerance around than there used to be. There are challenges all over the place. There are also opportunities, but there are challenges in terms of, in terms of migration. About how you once new people have arrived in countries, how they're assimilated, how they're integrated. To be, are people are people receptive to all of this? One of the things that. Loomed large in the Brexit debate, with this whole immigration debate about new arrivals—were they somehow getting better access to education, to housing, to school, uh, to to hospitals—and it's all sort of waiting for someone to say, "No, we 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 can we, we can stop all that." And I think it's that the tone of the debate, as well, in in in, in liberal democracies, has become more sort of hostile, uh, ready to dismiss opponents. Politicians have always you know, been quite ready ready to criticize other opponents. But there's something else that's different these days. It's, it's almost rubbishing others who don't particularly agree with your point of view. And you see systems becoming really polarized. So if you look at the United States, here you have a 2024 election that is looming. You have Donald Trump with numerous court cases actually ahead of him. You would have thought that would actually really damage his chances of, of making it to the final to the to the to the number to the, the to the um, running against uh, Biden, but it looks to be his support seems to be growing rather than diminishing. What is it about the system? Is it that certain people can actually? It's linked to. We're not saying he's authoritarian. We're saying there's a populist sort of message that's actually been embedded in in in, in, in across what the old liberal democracies there are easier ways of doing this and there's common problems, common issues, but we can solve all them by doing this, this and this.
0: I suppose I, I'd like to return to creeping authoritarianism in the West and, and it's, I suppose it's links with populism. But, I mean, you mentioned Donald Trump and I mean, I saw someone, a Western politician, saying, well, you know, if you have to choose between Cuba, citizens can participate at some level if they, you know, engage with the Communist Party and local councils, etc., and you get this, I suppose, a moral leader. And, and purporting that to be superior to the personality, money-led politics in the United States. We have to admit, if politics in the United States is liberal democracy, you can see why a lot of people in the in the world would say,
1: no thanks. Yeah. yeah it, 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 for, for politics, look, for politics, uh, students, this is a fascinating time to be looking to see exactly what are the values that people actually hold? Are things still changing? This weekend, for example, there will be an election in Poland, which could be a really one of those landmark elections, depending on the outcome. There are many people in the current European Union who keep pointing to Poland, and they keep pointing to uh, Hungary, as the two major examples of. There looks to be something, looks to be a shift, they call it sort of illiberal democracy. They look to be, they still hold elections, uh, but the two but there are two, certainly in Hungarian case, a Really dominant party. It could be the case in the after the elections in in Poland of a another really dominant political party that tries to shape society in its image. It's less. It's just not interested in in in, in many of the minorities issues. Uh, it's interested in terms of pushing an agenda, and to do that, it's quite prepared to. So what it wants to do is we're back to this idea of of, of controlling the media. You appoint your own party officials to certain key points in the media. You restrict other media outlets from being able to actually uh, re- re- report. In terms of judges, and judges are always very important, uh, you try and change the the, the the system whereby you have your own, because more political, you appoint your own judges, who in turn will actually hopefully then follow through your views. In a true authoritarian state, there really are no sort of independent courts. The courts are simply there to actually back up what the government actually wants, uh, and that's that, that, that's you know, that 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 is it. So, for many people in the European Union, they're looking at Poland, they're looking at Hungary, and saying, "Here, two successful former um, communist states made transition to uh, liberal democracy, uh, market economy is doing very well, but yet there's something about the regime and the way it's presenting itself." the way it's presenting internal minorities within it and it's the, the, the external world that actually is appealing probably more to an older generation. Uh, but it still does pick up quite a lot, that younger a younger element is still there, so we can't exclude them altogether because they're part of all of this, but how they see their society, their role, and their state in the world. Yeah, for, for a real authoritarian regime, what they would do once in power and trying to maintain their hold in power, um, they do things like they, this one, they 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 will re- do things that then you move that authoritarian direction, they will rewrite the constitution, for example. So normally it looks like here's the constitution, but actually it's then framed in a way why it just, it just keeps the, the, the ruling party in, in power. Is there any question I should have asked you that I didn't ask you? Yeah, there's always that hard question, but where do you see it going? Which, of course, we can we, we just can't can't answer in many ways. It's 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 a cha- it's a changed, I think, environment in, in for, for, for liberal democracies and real challenges. I think one of the things we need to do much better is try and maybe sort of inform, educate uh, people more from from this very early in school about about. What are, if we are saying liberal democracy is the best way forward as opposed to other form of regimes, I think we've got to explain, be much more set up front say, okay, why is that the case? Why is liberal democracy the best way, best for our, our form of, of government or other alternatives that we should actually be looking at? And I think that, so it, it's almost like, where do we see ourselves in, in a whole host of issues in terms of 50 to 100 years? Um, and I think the real challenge for all governments, be the authoritarian or be the liberal de- democratic is How do you take as many of your citizens along with you as you possibly, as you possibly can? And that's always been the biggest challenge for any, for any government. Look, when you look at authoritarian regimes, they've been around for a while. I mean, some of the more infamous, famous ones, you know, we had Perón in Argentina, we had Nasser in Egypt. Uh, with Hugo Chavez, we talked about very briefly, in, in Venezuela, who was hugely popular, but again, we can question what they did with all the oil, how, you know, the country didn't really advance economically in the way that it should have done with, with all those oil. The classic, then the really classic ones, you're moving into Mussolini's Italy and, 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 and Nazi Germany, and again, they were brought down by, those two last were brought down by war at the end of the day. If war hadn't broken out, they would probably have lasted for quite a long time, and um, and one another classic example of uh, on the left uh, is one of the worst examples is North Korea. And again, you see in terms of a country that's putting so much money into armaments, into rockets. And yet, you know, from the stories we hear and we read and the evidence that is being collected is in terms of just how much poverty actually exists on the country. But it's one of those really classic things whereby for most the people are being are in a horrendous situation, but actually no one, no one can rebel against the political regime.
0: Kim Jong-un attended the parade with high-ranking military officials, Russia's defense minister, and a member of the Chinese Communist Party. There were portraits of former leaders... Perhaps North Korea is a, is, a, is a case apart. Perhaps it's the closest we've ever come to a true totalitarian state. Uh, whereas all of the other authoritarian regimes, they're, they're all a little, still a little imperfect. Yes,
1: they're all, they're all, it's, it, 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 its it, they have a vision. They have a vision that actually, they would say that one of the problems with liberal democracy is if you have elections and five years isn't enough time, you need time to carry out the plan that you actually have. Therefore, they need that continuity. But I think it's, part of the problem with some of these leaders is, it's like all leaders, No, none of them really like giving up power in the West. Many of them have no choices because the American president, as you know, is two terms uh, and so on, and then just carry on and keep. And it, it, it's a carrying on. As I said before, it's losing a little sense of reality, having people around them who just tell them what they want to hear, and they just plough ahead until they may come to the end um, in a normal fashion, or they may be toppled. Um, but toppling them might lead to so, so lead to something worse than currently. It could be better, but could also be worse than what currently exists the context is always important what is it that makes Orban, for example so popular in Hungary yeah it's still still democratic it's, it's very much it's a very tough uh, anti-migration stance they have there's a there's a there's a minority community roma that clearly their their issues with it's but they're delivering economically and i think for any of these for many of these states if they can deliver to the people the economic benefit their family situations are good, the schooling, the education, the holidays. If all that is working, I think authoritarian regimes can get away with quite a with They could, they could become uh, a successful model of governance. The only problem is, is you can't change them. So in a liberal democratic state, you can change the system, and you know you can always change the system. You may choose not to change the, the, the political parties, but you know you can change the system once you're captured by one of these more authoritarian regimes the chances of you changing the system are really difficult and they may not come under always the banner of, are the authoritarian but when you begin to look at even countries like zimbabwe for example another fledgling post-colonial state uk uh had been had been the, the, the colonial power here it had so much promise in 1980 when it was when it was secured independence. It, it, it is one of the the, the, the richer sort of African states. There were political parties that battled it out uh, electorally in the normal way, being passed on to them by by the colonial power. But that didn't last very long. Before you knew where you were, Robert Mugabe was in power as president, and he just went on and on and on. And what you get with these regimes, I think, is you get they hold elections, but the elections are not fair elections. They and again people can complain about the elections. Uh, they there are flaws, irregularities, but nothing ever happens because the message from the regime is no, we had the election, we won the election, and Russia again is a good example whereby once you control the media and you close down all other media outlets, you just give your view. And your view is actually backed by a majority of the population, because you frame the context that you're in, in the case of Ukraine, it's not the fact that Russia has invaded, or you to, it's having its special operation in Ukraine, that's not Russia's fault, it's the fault of the West, who are actually trying to undermine Russia by bringing Ukraine into NATO and uh, the European Union. Close it all down, and the regime continues. Um, all these totalitarian, authoritarian regimes really do not want is any other alternative power base. They've got to shut those power bases down as soon as possible. So there is no other alternative but them.
0: Uh, Professor Lee McGowan,
1: thank you very much. No, thank you.